Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Max Danielson Show. I'm your host, Max Danielson, and joining me today, we have another member of the Austin College baseball team. That is Mr. Matthew Wells. Matt, welcome on to the show, my man. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Thank you. Well, especially I'll say thank you for being back. Um, so for my viewers that are wondering, I have, this is actually our second time recording this podcast. Woo-hoo! We were about 15 minutes from being done, and then my computer just decided to crash and freeze up. So I apologize for that, and very, very thankful that you are back to record oh, no, this because fun. I know you did not have to do this. It was fun. I absolutely appreciate it. Um, and yeah, once we get to the topics, we'll start telling. We got one story in particular that we'll tell uh, once we get to a certain topic, but I guess once again, uh, I'll ask you just a little bit of about yourself, what you do here at Austin College, and then as well, what your favorite sports teams are. Uh, so I'm a political science major. Uh, I want to do law school after that. Uh, my favorite sports teams for college are the uh, Texas Longhorns, of course. Uh, and for NFL, I would say Cowboys, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then MLB, kind of house divided between Rangers and Astros. And uh, basketball, I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, so maybe the Thunder, but they're not very good. So I've kind of switched into the Mavs. Gotcha. Hey. We freaking love to have yeah. some uh, some new fans to the uh, Blue and White Brigade. Um, but while we're talking, we'll go on with our very first topic for the MLB, which is the Texas Ranger uniforms. I personally really, really like them. I like that they brought back the baby blue. Wish that they did it a little lighter baby blue, mm-hmm. but I still like that they went back to it. I think the baby blue uniforms are very, very clean in the MLB, and I see a lot of teams uh, like the Cardinals, the Nationals, the or who brought back the Expos, Baby Blues, the Phillies. Yeah. Um, I personally really like it, especially the fact they brought back the script. I don't think it was necessarily necessary, but I do like the touch. All we just needed was probably a simple Rangers, but hey, the script works for me. And I want to ask you, what do you think about them? Uh, I think they're really good. Uh, I know they didn't have to touch the uh, the, the the blue and gray and those the are, red. Yeah, and the red. Those are you know those are good. Uh, I really did like their their original whites that they had just mm-hmm. last year and for you know a while. Um, I liked the Texas on the front a lot. Very I thought simple, they were I yeah. thought they were clean. Um, but I, I don't I don't dislike the new whites. But I really like that they brought back the baby blue. Yeah. Those are those are just great uniforms. I mean, oh man, I definitely need to order a baby blue. Yeah, jersey. those are those, just, are, those so are great. Nice. Those are so nice. But for the Rangers this offseason, they have definitely stated that they're going to be making a big push for some free agents, and one of their top ones was actually just signed by the Philadelphia Phillies of all teams. That is starting pitcher Zach Wheeler for a five-year, $100 million contract. Uh, last year on the Mets, had an, uh, an on and off season. I'll let you go into that just a little bit here in a second. But overall, I think it's a great move for the Phillies. Of course, they add on another starter um, along with Jake Arrieta and as well having a brand new manager of Joe Girardi, who is one of the better managers in baseball. I think it's really going to help for Zach Wheeler's career, especially coming from a place where he was just a face in a rotation. Yeah, uh, he was. I mean, he was always an important piece for the Mets, but obviously they have you know, another big name, DeGrom, and they have Syndergaard. So he kind of got lost in the, the wash And as well, don't forget Stroman. Yeah, and Str- oh my God, and Stroman too. But uh, I think really he might be slightly overpaid. If we look at his stats from, and his 2018 stats look a lot better than his 2019 stats. I think he's probably more of a two or three, definitely not an ace. Uh, but So because his 2019 was down from his 2018, I think he's probably a little overpaid. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair assessment too. And a lot of people have actually gone on and said that. And speaking of aces, the former Rangers ace just a couple years ago before he was traded to the Chicago Cubs, he just signed a one-year $18 million contract with the Atlanta Braves. I mean, overall, if they if the Braves bring back Dallas Keuchel, they got two really, really yeah. good starters. Now, do I think he's a little bit overpaid for this season? Yes, but that's the reason why they gave him a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole Hamels is really getting into the tail end of his career for yeah. sure but he's still producing the numbers that you need from an ace in your rotation mm-hmm. uh so he he really again like zach wheeler he didn't have the best 2019 however in 2019 he pitched a lot more than he yes, did in 2018 yes. in 2018 uh, he only really threw for in 12 games uh but in 2019 he had 27 so 
that really that really helped him out. I mean, a he lot. Abso- I mean, he doubled his number of yeah. starts. So his his ERA went up a little bit, but but that's I mean, also if you, expected. But it's, yeah. it's expected. Uh, I do think he's going to be important. I, but because of his age, he's he's really again, like you said, at the tail end of his career. Uh, he can only expect to get these one year contracts because no one's going to risk giving him a three year deal when he's yeah. And you if know. you do, you're going to give him a little more or less. Money. Yeah, yeah. Um, another big uh, acquiree, I should say. Uh, was this week, and the Marlins picked up one of the more underrated second basemen in the entire game of baseball, and that is Jonathan Villar. He had a very sleeper season mm-hmm. in um, Baltimore because, of course, Baltimore is probably one of the worst yeah. teams in baseball. <laughs> but I think it's really a good move for Miami, especially to get a guy like Jonathan Villar um, in your rotation, and especially to bring back kind of some relevance mm-hmm. into that organization. Of course, when Derek Jeter first came in, he got rid of the big three, John, uh, John Carlos Stanton, who was an MVP, and yep. is still, I mean, he's on and off, but guess what? Big power hitter. Big time power hitter. You leave it in the zone, he's taking that thing 700 feet. Uh, Christian Yelich, who probably should have been um, two-time back-to-back mm-hmm. or back-to-back MVP. Yep. Um, he's ha- He had a phenomenal season with the Brewers before he got injured, and then, of course, Marcelo Zuna um, with the Cardinals. He's playing phenomenal as mm-hmm. well, too. Um, and the one thing that stinks, man, is this whole thing for the Marlins really started with the, the tragic death of Jose Fernandez. Yeah. Um, one of the more prominent pitchers in baseball, up-and-coming guy who had an electrifying arm. It was always fun to watch him play. Um, and unfortunately, that whole thing happened. I think that's really what kicked off the whole um, rebuild for the Marlins yeah. because I know Derek Jeter didn't really want to spend money, and he really wanted to build his organization from the ground up. Yeah, they got rid of a lot of their big guys and are kind of clawing back slowly, but they, they're doing it through the use of young guys. But Jonathan Villar is like an important because he's he's more of a veteran, which is helpful for the Marlins because they're such a team of young guys. And what's really interesting is his stats. He's a really valuable player. Yes. Uh, his average, first off, he's hitting 274, 24 home runs. That's that's great, but the, I think the most important thing, especially for the Marlins, he played in 162 games last year. Yes, and for a young that's, team, that's very important. And we were talking about this earlier as well uh, when we recorded the first time, uh, and that is really the last big workhorse that we saw in the MLB is, um, I mean, Cal Ricker Jr. Mm-hmm. Guess who he played for? Orioles. Orioles. Yeah. I mean, you don't see many guys nowadays. Well, actually, I would argue also Mike Trout. Yeah. Um, but that guy's a whole different scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably going to go down as the greatest baseball player to ever yeah. play. Um, I mean, you don't see many guys that are willing to just simply play the game every single day because if you think about it, there's 162 games in a season, and they do it that over a six-month span, right? Yeah. Half a year, you got to fit in 182 games. That's Roughly what? Maybe a little more than 20 games a month. Yeah. So you're constantly having to get back, get recovered, and play the game the very next day. Yeah, it's tough. And, I mean, it's not like being a pitcher where you have, like, a five-day rest or whatever. These guys guys just got to keep going and going. And especially when you have a guy like on the Orioles, Chris Davis, that's going to take a toll on you when you're an everyday starter and you're in a humongous slump. Yeah. And you got to go every single day, and you can't get out of it. And it's it's interesting. I think it would be easy for Jonathan Villar to have missed a few games just because he's on the Orioles, who are – they were in last place within a month and a half of the playoffs. Or I mean, a month and a half into the into the season, so it's like it would have been simple for him to have just kind of quit almost and just not not played every single game like he did. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing that I really really like about Jonathan Villar is he plays the game the right way, right? He's Absolutely. a guy that simply just does everything mechanically well and does it sound, and yeah. that's the one thing that I like about him is he brings back that just. The, de- the pure definition of baseball, mm-hmm. um, which I really, really like. Um, going on a little bit, um, I don't know if you really call this, a, or one of these guys is definitely a shock. That is Addison Russell and Kevin Pillar being released by the, um, well, for Addison Russell, it was the Cubs, and then Kevin Pillar was the Giants. The one surprise to me was that Kevin Pillar, because yeah. he is a gold glove talent in the outfield. He's got an average bat, probably yeah. below average, if we're being honest. Um, I mean, but... Like, he'll easily find a job. I think yeah. that's what we were talking about the mm-hmm. first time around. 
But, and I'll let you take it away, why Addison Russell is going to be a little bit hard to find a job at what you predict for him. Yeah, I think uh, Addison Russell is on thin ice, <clears throat> especially after the huh, after the uh, the domestic abuse incident. That that really, you see it in the NFL, uh, people that, that come back from these kind of things, they, it, it's really hard to find a job. And I think Addison Russell, if he does get signed, it's going to be probably later uh, than Kevin Pillar just because of the domestic abuse and he's probably gonna have to take less money than he's really thinks he's worth or maybe that he's you know ability to play that he's worth just because of this incident and that's the one thing about like MLB players today or even athletes in general is just it's all about pride you know yeah you got you know you don't want to say that yeah I'm worth five mil a year where you want to say yeah I'm worth that 20 million dollar contract yeah. Um, but sometimes if you really want to play the game where there are some guys who do, yeah. one of those guys who isn't is a perfect example in the NFL, Antonio Brown. Yeah. You know, um, he does. I just don't feel like he wants to play or Colin Kaepernick for yeah. that matter, but that's a whole different They don't scenario. seem to want to play bad enough. You know? Yeah. They don't want to play bad enough. Um, that's the number one thing. And I think, I think Addison Russell does want to play yeah. again. I really do because, yeah. and it stinks because for my viewers, if you've never seen Addison Russell play, go look up some highlights. He was a humongous piece in their 2016 World Series. Yep. Um, it's just tragic, man, that this stuff had to happen to him. But yeah. at the same time, he's dumb for doing that whole yeah. thing. That just, why? I mean, I really, I think woman, he'll man? find a job because he, he was a little shaky uh, immediately coming back, but once he really got into the swing of things, he was he was old Addison Russell pretty much. Um, and Kevin Pillar certainly won't have a tough time finding a job just because his glove is so good. And he's he's not a great hitter, but he's a consistent hitter. And uh, I think he's a veteran presence. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw him end up on the Marlins just because, again, they need more veteran presence. Like they'll get Jonathan Villar and maybe if they put Kevin Pillar out there too, that, you know, two veteran guys. I mean, you know... The one thing is definitely Kevin Pillar will find a job easily. I, I can name so many guys. And we were talking about it, that the Marlins could be a great team mm-hmm. for him, um, especially they need that veteran leadership. They also need, hopefully, can get some, like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but they can at least rejuvenate that outfield mm-hmm. from when, once it what once, yeah, what it once was. Yeah. Um, and I really, really fit. I think that's going to be hard to do. But I feel like the Marlins are at least in the right step to yeah. get back to that prominence yeah. in baseball. Because before Derek Jeter, I mean, they were a dark horse team for the MLB postseason. Yeah. They were they were an interesting team to watch. They were fun. Um, another guy here will go on. Um, big time starting pitcher for the Twins, Michael Pineda, was signed to a two-year, uh, $20 million contract. Um, I mean, he was a really big piece for the uh, Twins rotation. I mean, he was he's definitely their ace besides Kyle Gibson, who is now on the Texas Rangers, who was yeah. officially signed today. Um, I mean, but Pineda, you know, I'll let you go into it here in a little bit or just uh, here in a second about kind of what his season was like. Um, he was definitely an up and down kind yeah. of guy this year. But um, I mean, definitely for the Twins, this is the guy that they want to go. for. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they definitely need him. He's an important piece in the rotation. I just I get a little concerned about his ERA. It's slightly above four, which is you know it's not the best for a starter. I think really where he makes his money and why he earns this contract is that he he finished the season eleven five eleven yeah. and five, which is I mean that's big for a team finishing eleven and five for a starting pitcher. Is, I mean especially if the fact he, if he can produce wins yeah for as a starting pitcher um, and that's like a big thing that the Twins need yeah because they're kind of like they're in a really really tough division yeah. Um, and they need kind of that surge of talent. Yeah. And when you can get a starting pitcher like that that's going to produce on the mound and you know you have a great chance of winning every single time he goes out, that's just not only mm-hmm. going to help your pitching staff as a whole, but as well the team as a whole. Uh, the next guy we'll talk about here, um, oh, man, we were talking about this guy during the first podcast, and we had, not I would say, nothing bad to say about this guy, and no. that is Jake Marisnik of the Astros. He was signed or he was acquired by the New York Mitt or Mets. And I mean, this guy is honestly one of the better outfielders in all of baseball. He Absolutely. I mean, yes, you know, his bat, he's we talked about this. He's streaky. Like, he's very yes. streaky. But um, uh but I I would say if he gets on base, his speed is is oh, unmatched, unmatched. I in mean, he's incredibly they used fast. used him so many oh, times yeah. just to get that extra bag and yeah. get in the scoring position. Um so I was definitely surprised when the 
uh, Astros gave him. Up. Yeah, it seemed like I mean he had a, a pretty good following. Uh, he he's a fun guy to watch. He's exciting in the outfield because he makes you know Spectac- spectacular he, I mean, he's like a Kevin plays. Pilar, basically, yeah, really, which is a little bit less of a bat. Yeah, he's fun to watch though. Um, but on the, I mean on the bright side, why I can also see the Astros giving him up is because they also have Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Tucker, who just came up from the big leagues, and then I know their farm system is. They have George the Springer point. out there too. George I mean, they Springer, have a very yeah. solid outfield. They have Michael Brantley too. So yes. they, I mean, who is a big, big yeah. part. So George, I mean, when yeah. that guy was at the plate, man. Yeah, it oh, was. Oh man. Yeah. So that I mean, they're they're solid without him. It's just it's inter- they He was probably their. He was easily their best defensive outfielder. Yeah. Um. So this was. Um, a signing, no doubt in my mind, that really surprised me, and that's uh, the Cincinnati Reds signing Mike Mustakas for a four-year, sixty-four million dollar contract. Not only am I surprised why the Reds signed him, but why the Brewers let him just walk because he was a major piece for Christian Yelich and the Brewers as a whole, um, especially when the Nationals were playing them in the wild card game. I mean, Mike Moustakas came up very, very big yeah. in the moments where he needed to. But on the flip side, the uh, the Reds are trying to put Mike Moustakas as a second baseman, which is okay. a little bit interesting um, because he's primarily a third baseman. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I understand um, why the Reds, and we were talking about this earlier, so I'll let you take it away, kind of why you think that the Reds um, wanted to go after him. Yeah, I think Mike Moustakas has had really a great career as a power hitter, especially. Uh, he was beloved on the Royals. He was a centerpiece when they won the World Series and when they came up just, you know, one game short. Uh, he he was beloved with the Brewers as well. So he's a, he's a very watchable, fun guy to watch, uh, you know, play with as well. Um What's kind of worrying is he chases the money a little bit. I think that might hurt his career down the road. Yeah. But really, I think the Reds are in a tough division, and they're trying. They've really been trying to make moves to to gain some ground on some of the te- these teams, like the Cardinals and the Cubs, that they have to play against. So I think Mike Moustakas might be a big signing for them, just to somehow maybe compete with those teams a little more. Yeah, I mean, and what I definitely agree with that, and also the fact. You know, it's going to bring in ticket revenue, right? That's their big fish that they went after. They might not necessarily need them because I don't think they do. But when you bring in a big fish to your organization, for example, Brewers and Christian Yelich, I know Ryan Braun was extremely, extremely big in Milwaukee because I've gone up to Wisconsin numerous times and seen so many people walking around with a uh, Ryan Braun jersey Mm -hmm. or even when, uh, oh, Lord. Uh, Prince Fielder, yeah, those days when Prince Fielder was big. So they really ha- and when Ryan Braun, you know, his career is slowly going down yeah. the drain, which is really sad because he was a big, yeah. big player when we were kids. Um, but when they got Christian Yelich, man, I mean that rejuvenated the per- the uh, Brewers and really made Absolutely. them considered to be the team to beat in the NL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly think if Christian Yelich didn't get injured the Nationals would not have won the World Series. No, I don't think so. Um, but, yeah, and like, for just going on with the whole thing, like, it's going to bring in your ticket revenue, right? Yeah. Pe- if he's beloved, if he was beloved by the Royals, beloved by the Brewers, it's only a matter of time before he's going to be beloved by Reds fans just like they do with Joey, uh, Joey Votto. Absolutely. Um, this was a big trade that happened yesterday, and you had your first reaction on our first go-around. Um, and you could not believe it. Yeah. And that was the Padres getting Tommy Pham for Hunter Renfro and then Xavier Woods, who is the 72nd prospect in baseball. I I still can't believe they gave him up. Uh, Tommy Pham was a, a breakout star with the Cardinals and then fantastic with the Rays, uh, continued to uh, continue that success. I, I can't believe they gave him up. I guess it's good that they got these young guys, but... Uh, I think he's definitely going to be missed with the Rays. Yeah, and I mean, Hunter Renfro, um, he was a really, really big piece to the up-and-coming uh, Padres organization. And as well, um, I know Xavier Woods, I mean, he was coming up through the ranks too. Um, and like Elsinore, I know mm-hmm. he was doing pretty good there. Um, but especially right now, because, and I and I know exactly why the Padres went after him. It's because last week, if you remember, um, they gave up uh, Luis Uriah. And that was the guy yeah. we were talking about earlier, why the Brewers don't necessarily need that because now they have a ton of young guys and now they just got Luis Urias 
from the Padres, who yeah. is still 22 years old. He struggled in the big leagues, but going through the uh, minor leagues, he was the top mm-hmm. the uh, the top prospect in all of baseball. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think they need to add that, and especially getting Tommy Pham. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you. I mean, got... he's another veteran presence that they yes. need because I know uh, Machado's been in the game for a long time, but yeah. he's really not a veteran guy to look up to. I don't think like, I don't I mean, see him as much of a leader. You look really. at their, their infield. You got Tatis jr. Yeah. You got uh Machado, you got fam and then you got Hosmer. Yeah. That is a great yeah, it four is. infield. Yeah. I and think I they've know, got a real shot this year. I honestly, this might be maybe for a while. Year. I don't know if they're going to beat the Dodgers in that division, but well, I think they could get a wild card spot. Okay. Yeah. But I was about to say, if you thought they were going to beat them in the postseason, knowing the Dodgers, they absolutely choke in the postseason, which is really sad because the no, Dodgers have so many. Really? No, it's good. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm half and half on that. I, I just, I want Clayton Kershaw to win a ring. I really do. Really? You don't? No. Really? That uh, he doesn't deserve one. He chokes in the postseason every time. If you come up short in the big moments, you don't deserve. I mean, a he's ring. A, he is on his way to Cooperstown. He is. I think he deserves. I really do. Yeah. I really think he deserves a ring, but he does choke in the postseason yeah. a lot. Um, we're gonna go on to speaking of the postseason, the World Series champion national. Whoa, Washington Nationals signed their big guy from the postseason, who really jumped them into the postseason. That's Howie Kendrick with that massive grand slam. Yeah. They re-signed him, and I mean Howie Kendrick is. Um, one of the most fundamentally gifted second basemen in all the game. He's always been a solid uh, second baseman Absolutely. and really gives you your money. Uh, I apologize for that. Gifts had a uh, quick technical difficulty. That was really weird. Um, but going on with that, um, Howie Kendrick, I mean, he's just been a solid, solid infielder um, for whatever team that he goes to, and he gives plus 10 or – Okay, I should say, he gives everything plus 10, basically. Yeah. He does everything 110%, which I really, really like about Howie Kendrick. Yeah, he was. he's always been fun to watch. I really liked, uh, I followed his career a lot when he was with the Dodgers. Uh, he was a really uh, centerpiece in that team. And then with the Nationals, he's a he's a definite veteran presence that they need because they do have a lot of young guys. It's it's really him and Zimmerman, it seems like. they Those two really hold down the fort for the Nationals and kind of keep the young guys in check, and I think they're a good kind of they they keep those guys they mature them and stuff like that i think they're wise for the team now the one thing that's going to be interesting for the nationals this offseason their gm came out yesterday and basically said that they're not going to be able to afford um ryan zimmerman or not geez now i'm really throwing off this technical difficulty is throwing me off just off my game here for a second all right let's get let's get back into the rhythm here they can't afford steven strasburg and anthony rendon which is definitely going to be interesting. And the big question is, who, if you're the Nationals, do you go for? Rendon. He's, he sh- I think it was really should have been either him or Yelich uh, that won the MVP. Uh, I don't think Bellinger had any business winning that. But uh, I think... Really? Yeah, I just, come on. But uh, Rendon... Whoa. Rendon whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Rendon is... Rendon or and Arenado are probably the two best... Or they are the two best third basemen in baseball. I can agree with that 100%. Uh, they're both great at fielding. You saw a lot of big plays out of Rintone in the postseason. And he's a really clutch hitter. He's always hitting for a high average. Uh, and this year he really added a lot of power too. So I, I think Rendon, you keep Rendon. I know Strasburg is a workhorse in the rotation. He throws really hard. Uh, he's a veteran presence. But I, I think you can get someone for cheaper that might not be as good as Strasburg, but still holds down the rotation somewhat. I, I think you'd be missing a lot if you didn't get Rendon. I mean, I could agree with you, but at the same time, I honestly feel the Rangers, because it's been reported that the Rangers have the highest likelihood to sign Rendon, and that's because he's also a Texas native. I'm pretty sure he's from the Dallas area as well, so that makes sense. Yeah. He went to Rice uh, in college, actually. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, so definitely I could see him, and even so, if Rendon goes to the uh, Rangers, that means probably the Nationals are going to go get Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Um, and even so, vice versa. If Rendon stays, that means probably that the uh, Rangers are going to go get Josh Donaldson. And I'm cool with that because Josh Donaldson, highly respect him, probably my favorite player in all of baseball. Um, I mean, I just like how he plays the game. He plays yeah. it intense. He doesn't take anything from any – I mean, he's basically – 
he just says, you know what? I'm just going to leave everything out on the field, yep. and I I don't care what people think of me. I'm just going to do me. And I yeah. like that mentality on the baseball field. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, where do you see – okay, so you're saying they gotta get, they're got to get they going to uh, keep Rendon, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I would I would you... really love to see him on the Rangers, but I think it's yeah. smarter for the Nationals. I think we all would. Yeah, I think it's smarter for the Nationals to keep Rendon. So where do you see – would where do you see uh, Strasburg then going? Do you see him going Ooh. to the Padres or because if they can they... afford him, if they can afford him, then maybe there. Uh, I know the Phillies are kind of probably running out of money at this point, unless yes. they could, unless they could do like a one-year, two-year big oh, money. Oh, if only thing. they could dip, dump that uh, Bryce Harper. Yeah, contract. Bryce Harper was a waste. Um, I think he could he could end up with the Padres too. Uh, I wonder if Strasburg would be okay with going to a maybe not a rebuilding team, but a team on the up and up. Maybe like the White Sox or something like that, who are willing to shell out a lot of money uh, to get back to prominence. I think. Yeah, it, it definitely will be. Honestly, yeah, White Sox could be a very, very yeah. big dark horse team for that. Um, so we'll transition here. We'll go into the NFL. Uh, a very, very interesting release this week was the Carolina Panthers uh, firing their head coach Ron Rivera after a long time being their head coach and really had, like we said in our first take of this, that. He had a very, very had a lot of success his first time around. Yeah. Um, and I think honestly, this is really who the Cowboys need to look for for their front runner because not only does he know how to develop players, and especially I think that could help with Dak and Zeke, um, but he also implements the whole thing about family. And the one thing that players said, like that he always had his family around, and the reason he did that was to show the players that family is always first yep. and to maintain that in their lives. So. I think that'd be a really, really good thing, and especially, I mean, I think every other coach that is out there for the Cowboys would be a step back from Jason Garrett. Yeah, I, I see uh, Rivera. He had a really good early career with the Panthers. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, they almost beat the Broncos, but um, I, uh, Newton kind of is chronically hurt, Cam Newton, and yeah. so that and it's really, really sad too. Yeah, because he was a great. I mean, he's a great athlete, a great you know specimen on the field. It's you know, and his, his kind of uh, backup Kyle Allen though this year showed a lot of promise early on, but they've really lost a lot of momentum. They've lost a lot of games. Uh, so I never, I never really imagined it with the Cowboys, but it seems like they don't have many other options out there that they could go get. And if he's the best choice, then they need to because Garrett needs to go. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on when we get to the recent Dallas Cowboys game. Mm. Uh, for the Seattle Seahawks they talked they uh, take the NFC West lead or division lead uh, with their win against the Vikings, thirty-seven thirty. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks this year are really, really looking like they're making a case for why they should be considered a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's kind of interesting. The uh, they could really force the 49ers into a wild card spot. Which is insane, considering how good the 49ers are. The, yeah. That you know that NFC West division is really good, and it's it's funny how bad the NFC East division is, considering that the ten and two team could be in the wild card, and the Cowboys that are six and seven are in the are in the front of the division still. And the you know actually you know I'll save that for when we get to the Cowboys. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know what I'm going to talk about because we talked about it a little bit the first time. Alrighty, um, but if we want to talk about embarrassing man, it's uh, the New York Jets. Not only are they the team of butt fumbles, but as well, many, many other fumbles. And this is definitely one of them. The Cincinnati Bengals finally won their first game of the year. Uh, by the score of 22 to 6, Andy Dalton had himself a day uh, going 22 for 37, 243 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, this game, the Bengals just looked unstoppable. And yeah. that's also because they have nothing to play for at this point. Yeah. But the Jets, and you, I'll let you talk about this here um, about how they looked good early on but now they've just kind of gone into this lull phase where they're not good and they're not bad yeah the jets really started the year terrible but then they kind of did this they beat the the cowboys and then they started winning a few games and and it kind of looked like they weren't going to make the playoffs obviously but they just looked like they were promising but this loss i mean it I, i couldn't imagine them losing to the Bengals. they made a very decent Decent keyword for Andy Dalton. Uh, decent quarterback. Very, Andy yes. Dalton look great out yeah. there, which is, you know, that usually doesn't happen with him. Yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton, don't get me wrong, like you said, keyword, decent. he's a decent quarterback in the NFL. He's at least been consistent. I'll yeah. give him that. He's a very consistent quarterback. Decent, consistent quarterback. 
And, of course, for the Bengals, that's all you need, man. Yeah. Um, but unlike a decent quarterback, Ooh. we'll talk about this guy here. Um, I think we both agree that this guy's going to be the MVP for the NFL, yep. and that's Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. He has had himself one hell of a year. They beat the 49ers by the score of 20-17. to 17, And really the main question now becomes, have the Ravens established themselves as the best team in football? Oh, yeah, I think so. After they, they beat the 49ers, they really established themselves as the, the best team. They have a, a great offense. They, it's, it's kind of funny. Lamar Jackson actually has more rushing yards than their running back, Mark Ingram. Yeah. But Mark Ingram, I think it's Lamar Jackson is sixth in the NFL. Uh, and Mark Ingram is like eighth. And so it's, it's very interesting that they both put up big yards each game. Uh, their defense is nasty. Yes, uh, they're so uh, good. Oh God, the safety Griffin the third. He went to Texas or whatever. Earl Th- no Earl Thomas. Sorry, yeah, Earl, Earl Thomas, Thomas back there. He's insane. Uh, I just think they're a great team and they're they're going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, is it eight games in a row now? Yes, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, they're right now on a massive roll, um, and especially Lamar Jackson, who is playing some of the best football we've seen in a while. Kind of like what Mahomes did last year, yeah. but even better than yeah he's that, using his opinion. legs he's using his I, I wouldn't say he's using his arm as much as Mahomes was yeah. but he's using his legs a lot more I think he make it makes it it makes him a harder player to, to deal with it's kind of like Vince Young you know yeah. back in the college days you know it's like kind of Texas Man, if, only his, if him and Colt's career could have panned out yeah they been that would have been really fun NFL. Um, but I mean Lamar Jackson is probably one of the most versatile QBs in the entire league yeah um, it'll be interesting to see if he does win the MVP but the big topic that we're going to be talking about here is the unfortunate loss for the Dallas Cowboys against the Chicago Bears. They basically made Mitchell Trubisky look like a freaking MVP. Uh, he had he went 23 for 31, 244 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to take it against the Cowboys' offense because the Bears' defense is pretty good still. Yeah, It's just their, off- their offense is very inconsistent. But... The real question is, will Jerry Jones really ever fire Jason Garrett? Or because he keeps saying, oh, you know, we're, we're just going to keep him to the end of the year. He's our guy. We're going to stick with him. We have, um, we'll have zero chance of a Super Bowl, which is not true because you can just hire a freaking intern coach. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, they Might probably be a have better a option. better shot at that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this is the one thing, like, my argument to why – the Cowboys won't win a Super Bowl in Jerry Jones's time ever again. Uh, I is that I just think that uh, Jerry Jones is a little too involved. First off, he's the GM and the owner, which is kind of frightening. Uh, but I think I think Jason Garrett is not going to get fired during the football season. But I think immediately after he's gone, uh, the Cowboys, Jerry Jones especially, has spent. So much money this year. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott got the big deal. Yes. Uh, Dak Prescott about- is on the ticket. He's you know can he's next up for the big deal. Uh, they put a lot of money in then this year. You got year. also Amari Cooper. That you Amari Cooper. Soon. And and it's like I think they're they're spending too much and they're too good of a team on paper to be six and seven. Uh, and I don't think I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I think Jason Garrett is gone. I mean you know and the and the saddest thing is like Jason Garrett. At one point, was a really, really good coach. Yeah. But now, I've it's kind of like the same thing what happened with Mike McCarthy and the Packers. Yeah. You know, you get older and you get into these habits, and then you just start rolling through the game of football instead of keeping up with the game and knowing how to manage the game. Because every single year, the game of football changes. From when uh, Jason Garrett entered the game of football, it was completely different. Yeah. You know, you didn't have guys like like an Aaron Rodgers or a Lamar Jackson that were just scrambling out of the pocket whenever need be. Yeah. Or a Patrick Mahomes can just freaking gunsling one on the run. Yeah. The game has just become so much more complex, and even so with all the rule changes, which some of them I think are terrible. Yeah. Um, especially the what is a catch rule That's because, bad. I mean, some of those, man, are bad. Yeah, they're bad. Uh, the refs are terrible this year i mean they've messed up so many calls yeah. it's it's weird that they have the new pi you can challenge a pass interference call but how and many yet have had, how they've many never have overturn them and yes. they're like obvious when you look and you know so that's that's one thing that's really frustrating that about is this year. actually a really really good point because someone i forget i think i was listening to pat mcafee podcast which is a great freaking podcast um highly have a lot of respect for pat mcafee i've said it on the podcast multiple multiple times but he was talking about like, and I like this year that they started with the referee breaking down mm-hmm. the thing. And even so, when they break it down, they're like, oh yeah, it's pass interference. 
they don't reverse yeah, it. Yeah, they never because reverse it. The thing is, what I've learned is they don't want to be wrong on the field because ever since that Saints Vikings game, they've been scared to make a call. That's yeah. my opinion, at yeah, least. Absolutely. I think so. Um, so we are going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about college football, a little bit about college basketball, and a very, very short segment about the NHL. Woohoo! <laughs> so don't go anywhere. We will be right back. The Max Danielson Show is proud to announce Gage's Granite as an official sponsor for the Saturday podcast. Gage's Granite is a family-run company operating nearby in the Dallas Metroplex. They offer custom granite, travertine, onyx, and marble countertops to homeowners and businesses since 2000. Give them a call today at 972-243-6097 or visit gagesgranite.com or on Facebook and Twitter. You can also stop by the main showroom located at 2427 Glenda Lane in Dallas. Gage's Granite, a proud sponsor of the Max Danielson Show. Hey guys, this is Jason with Lacrosse Monkey. Are you looking for a place to shop for your next athletic season? Monkey Sports is here to help. Whether you're looking for baseball, hockey, or lacrosse gear, if you can dream it, we've got it. We provide both the latest and best on the market equipment for your athlete. Stop by and visit us at 105 West Bethany Drive, right off of US 75 in Allen. Monkey Sports, a proud sponsor of the Max Danielson Show. And we are back here on the Max Danielson Show. Where we left off, we were talking about the postseason, our predictions for. Uh, some free agents talking about where some have ended up, some big trades that happened. As well, we talked about a little bit of the NFL, kind of the whole Cowboys coaching situation, and uh, as well just some major games that happened this week. But we'll stick with the topic of football, but go into college football. Um, a lot of coaches fired and yeah. stepping down this week. The very first one. And I know you have a hot opinion about this guy. Uh, that is so USF fired Charlie Strong. I mean, in his first year went ten and two. Yeah. Pretty pretty solid first year for USF. They used to be, I mean, considered a pretty decent football program. Yeah. And then really for the past couple of years have really just down just taken a nosedive to oh, the ground. Yeah. Uh it, it's kind of I I hate to say that I like watching someone do bad, but Charlie Strong uh, was terrible at Texas, and to see him do so well with USF the first year, I was surprised that he was able to do that. But then he went back to his natural form and started losing a lot of games each year, which made sense. His natural form, you know. But I, it's it's interesting to see Charlie Strong uh, kind of finally get canned. I, I kind of expected it, I guess, but it was weird to see him do so well and then kind of do so poorly. It's kind of weird how that happened. Um, I mean, yeah, and especially like Charlie Strong, honestly, when he, I remember when he signed or was signed or hired, I should say, mm -hmm. to be USF's coach, like it was a very, very big deal. Yeah. Because, and once he started doing really good, everyone's like, oh, you know, Charlie ha or Charlie Strong's back. And then the very yeah. next year, it's like they're yeah. back to the usual. Um, another big one is Missouri firing Barry Odom. And I'll let you take it away here with the big problem with Missouri being uh, for football in the SEC. Yeah, Missouri is just, I mean, they're in a tough spot. Uh, they've got to compete against teams that are bigger and, and, and schools that are bigger than them. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of a problem for them, really. I think they need to get into the Big 12. I think they, uh, that's more their pay grade. Honestly, especially if they're trying to rebuild, it's it's damn near impossible. Oh my gosh, it's no, impossible! It's impossible! It's impossible to uh, rebuild in the SEC, and they've got some promising things. I mean, they have Clemson transfer Kelly Bryant, who was yeah. really good at Clemson, and he's been pretty good at Mizzou. So I think if they went to the Big Twelve, that they'd have a much better shot at being a good team again. Yeah, no, you're fine on that too. Um, I I shouldn't get de demonetized for this, even though I don't make anything on this. Yeah. So it's all good, man. Um, so another big one, uh, I might botch this name, uh, Boston College fired uh, Steve Adazzo. Um, I mean, Boston College, you know, they're a big hockey and volleyball school, but they've yeah. never really been prominent in football. No, they. I mean, they've always kind of been okay. They've, you know, they've been an okay football school, but 
it's it's disappointing to see the coach get fired, but um, it kind of makes sense. I think them being in the ACC for football is tough. Uh, they have to play teams that are just better than them, really. I mean, you know? Clemson. Yeah, I mean, football is just not. If football is not their school, they're playing schools where football is like the thing. Now you talk about hockey. That team. Yeah. They are like the top dog for uh, NCAA yeah. hockey. Um, another big one was uh, Ole Miss firing Matt Luke. Now, Ole Miss, I mean, at one point, they were a prominent football school mm-hmm. back, and I sh- I shouldn't even say prominent. They were dominant back yeah. in the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, and then now, as of recently, they haven't really been to where they used to be. No. Um, and that's really just the one thing that stinks because, like, everyone knows, um, you know, Ole Miss football. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the alma mater for Eli Manning. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great NFL players that have came out of Ole Miss. Yeah, I think they're really in the same boat as Missouri. Uh, kind of now it's they're trying to rebuild. And it's not that they're just in the SEC. They're in the SEC West, and they have to play Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, these schools that are just – they're in the prime right now. They're, they're doing great, and uh, Ole Miss is trying to rebuild, and it's just it's, – it's impossible to do it while they're in the SEC. Now, one of the more surprising things, this is the one step down from a coach, um, and that is Chris Pearson stepping down from Washington. Now, they did get an intern coach, which was um, J- uh, Jimmy Luke, who's their assistant coach, um, which is pretty good, the fact that they did fill it right away. Yeah. Um, but it really stinks because Chris Pearson actually had a pretty good career oh, yeah. at Washington, went 54 for 26. Um, and even so, just a couple years ago, they were in the college football yeah, playoff. Yeah, they were in the college football playoff, and then they were, I mean, they've been in the top 10 for a couple of years now, and then this year, it was just kind of a down year, but I, I, I'm surprised that he stepped down after just one bad year. I, You know, it's kind of surprising that he would do that after so many years of success at Washington. I mean, I, and I know especially the players extremely liked him, the coaching staff loved yeah. him, the fans loved him, so it definitely stinks for Washington, and I know... Um, one thing for sure, like with the fans, I know my mentor, uh, Cliff Gibson, who was um, the big reason how I got into doing announcing and sports commentating, uh, He what, he's a humongous fan of Washington, and he sent out a tweet just thanking Chris Peterson for everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, it taught – what Chris Peterson did was taught young men how to be young men, which is really, really – or I should say he taught young men how to be better men. Yeah. I should say that. Um, and it really stinks that he had to go. Um, we'll get into a couple games here. Um, number number 12, Wisconsin. Sorry, I just had some weird mess up there. Um, so number 12, Wisconsin clinched the Big Ten championship game uh, this week. Um, they beat number 8, Minnesota, by the score of 38-17. I mean, besides that Illinois game, Wisconsin's had a really, really good year. Yeah, I mean, they dropped that game to Illinois. I think that was just because they had just lost to Ohio State, so they were still down and kind of not really paying attention or not focused on the Illinois game at all. But they've got a lot of good things for them. They have a great O-line like they always do. And behind the O-line, they have Jonathan Taylor, who is arguably a Heisman candidate, uh, absolutely a top uh, first round pick in the NFL draft coming up. I think uh, they, I, I don't know if they're necessarily going to beat Ohio State, but they definitely have a shot. Yeah. And speaking of Ohio State, for the eighth straight year, they beat Michigan um, by the score of 56 27 in their humongous rivalry, which you claim now is not a rivalry. I would like to make that. this clear Ohio State Michigan is not a rivalry anymore. They haven't been a rivalry at least since I was born. Ohio State dominates the thing. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields had one heck of a day. Went 14 for 25, 304 yards, four touchdowns. He's a Heisman candidate. Probably won't win it because of Joe Burrow, but yeah. still you got to give him props. I mean, Absolutely. he's having he's easily going to be drafted into the NFL mm-hmm. as a sleeper quarterback, in my opinion, but definitely he's going to make an impact wherever he goes. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We'll, we'll go on to this before we get into the big topic for this week. Uh, Houston, after their firing of their head coach last week, they hired Greg uh, Schiano, the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely is going to be interesting to see if – because the one thing that I really like about college football is that no matter where you are – like at Ohio State, you're going to have a better shot at bringing a team to prominence. Um, it's not like the NFL where you're dealing with the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are still college kids. They know how to develop them. They've done it before. Um, and that's kind of why guys like um, 
uh, who who can I think of here? Um, I mean, coaches that go into the uh, NFL that come from college, they might not do the best their first couple yeah. of years because they're still having to go from that having to develop talent to yeah. you already have that developed talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting for Houston because um, <clears throat> they're in the American Athletic Conference or yeah. something, and that's actually where Tulsa, that's the and conference. SMU. Yeah, and, the, and it's interesting that Houston had such a bad year because typically they, at least since I can remember, they've kind of dominated that conference because they're one of the bigger schools, uh, and so football is a bigger deal for them. Uh, and they've had a really down year, so it's interesting to see if they'll back, bounce back with a new coach. Yeah, I mean, and the one thing you knew – I mean, my viewers, you knew this was going to be talked about. Number 15, Auburn defeating number 5, Alabama, 48-45, to knock them out for the first time of the college football playoff. Woo! Auburn, you are my hero. That's what we were all rooting for. I mean, you know, Nick Saban has turned the Alabama franchise around completely. Mm-hmm. Becoming, I mean, this is where everyone wants to go play. Yeah. No matter what, you want to go play for Nick Saban because yeah. he is probably the best coach ever in college football. Mm-hmm. He's he's really tough, but he's made all, uh, Alabama into a a dominant football force, and and I, I mean, I think this is the first time they're what is it not in the college football playoffs? Yes. Yeah. So that just shows you right there. Alrighty, we're gonna go on to now a tradition here on the podcast. It's championship week for or for NCAA football. We did these all before, but we'll run through them once again. I pretty much know what your predictions are, but you can go in just a little explanation of each. Uh, We will go on number five, Utah at number 13, Oregon. Uh, I've got Utah. All right. Oh, yeah. And we were also talking about how you think they should be in the college football playoff. Uh, I think Utah should be in the college football playoff. Uh, If if they win this, they're Pac-12 winners. Uh, I know they might not be as exciting as OU into the playoff, but... Who really wants to see OU in the college football playoff? I mean, well, speaking of OU, number seven <clears throat> Baylor at number six Oklahoma. My uh, my head tells me OU is going to win, but my heart, I'm a Texas fan. I could never pick OU, so I think Baylor is going to somehow pull out an upset here. All righty, number twenty Cincinnati at number seventeen Memphis. This game's interesting because they played last week, actually, uh, so they get to play again. And Memphis won that game by like three. I think Memphis wins again, and it's going to be close again. All righty. This is one game that we were talking about earlier before the podcast, and that is number four, Georgia, at number two, LSU. I think LSU is a more complete team than Georgia, and I think this game is how Utah gets into the playoff because I think LSU beats Georgia and Utah gets in over Georgia's place. All righty. Uh, next one we got here for the ACC, number 23, Virginia, at number three, Clemson. That's Clemson's game. All righty, and then finally, well, actually not finally, because we'll do week t- week 16 here in a second, which I will explain why. Uh, we got number one, Ohio State at number eight, Wisconsin. Uh, I think Wisconsin is a better team, a better Wisconsin team than they played Ohio State the first time, but I still think Ohio State's going to win. Uh, they're a dominant offensive and defensive team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Jonathan Taylor does against Ohio State, but I, I think Ohio State's going to handle him. All righty, and the final one for Week 16, there's only one game, and that is what they consider the Armed Forces Bowl, which is N- Army at number 24, Navy, a humongous rivalry that happens every single year. I know both teams on these games w- uh, wear specialty jerseys and helmets, which mm-hmm. are always cool to it's see. always a cool game. Um, so I want to ask you, what's your prediction about that? Well, my dad was in the Army, so I got to go with Army. Uh, Navy is expected to win, but I think Army could pull it out. All right, of course, got to represent the family, man. Absolutely. And, of course, again, we thank all the young men and women who serve in our military forces. Hey, you know, when we mention it, you got to. You got to. You never know. I see you laughing over there. Woo. If your dad in the off chance watches this, thank you for your service. Oh, that's very nice. Uh <laughs> Again, in the off chance, I have no clue if he will get to this far in the podcast. Um, so we'll talk about uh, college basketball here. It's been pretty silent mm-hmm. of a week. Not many upsets, which is expected until we get into March Madness. Um, number six, Ohio State blew out number seven, North Carolina, by the score of 74 to 49. And the big question about North Carolina is, are they as good as everyone thinks this year? Because they have easily one of the top two coaches in 
college basketball. Of course, mm-hmm. they have Roy Williams, and then the other being Coach K for Duke, yeah. which we'll get into here in a second. But, I mean, this year, it's really been an interesting year for them. Yeah, I think North Carolina lost a big guy, uh, Kobe White, last year to the Bulls. He got drafted. And um, they do have a great freshman, Cole uh, Cole Anthony. Yeah, uh, he's Walter really McDonald's good. All-American yeah. MVP last year and is projected to be a top three draft pick yeah. this year. I mean, he's fantastic. I just think that North Carolina, I mean, freshmen in college basketball are supposed to be ready to play because they get one. Yeah. And, there's so many of them are one and done. But I think North Carolina lost a, a lot of veteran presence, and so I think it's going to be hard for Cole Anthony by himself completely to will this team yeah. into you know prominence. Definitely agree with that. Um, then going on, a pretty big game this week happened with Duke beating Michigan State by the score of 87-75. Um, at the beginning of this year, Michigan was really projected to be the number one team in college basketball, um, and they got upset early on, and as well last week, Duke got upset by Stephen F. Austin yeah. at the buzzer, which was an amazing game to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll tell the. I guess I'll tell this story while we're here. Um, so for those of you who remember, week three's guest was Jackson Epps, and he is a humongous Duke fan. So we were watching that game, but earlier today when we were discussing Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. We were talking about how I don't be- how I don't believe Dak's worth thirty to forty mil, and um, we got in a, and I was talking about a little bit of a Twitter debate that I got in with him on Twitter why Dak shouldn't be considered an MVP because this was after week three and someone posted he should be MVP when they played the three Pop Warner teams in the NFL. Yeah, and I cannot like if you gave me a thousand tries I could not have had this go any better. Yeah. As soon as I was talking about him, he walks through the door. It was perfect. Like, you can't plan that any bad, yeah, any great. better. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that because the system decided to crash on me when we were going to the last commercial break. So, unfortunately, we it. don't have that, but that's okay. You still have the story. You still know what happened. It was about, what, a five-minute delay of the whole thing? Yeah. But, I mean, hey. I mean. It was great. Still a great story. Um Wish we still had that audio, but hey, life goes on, man. Life goes on. So I want to ask you, while we talk about Duke and Michigan State, what do you expect from both teams this year? Uh, I really don't think Duke is going to be the team they were last year. Obviously, they lost the big three, Reddish, Barrett, and Zion. Uh, all three of them got drafted. All three of them got drafted uh, pretty high picks. Yeah. Um, I believe all all of them were top 10, Yeah, absolutely. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I, think so. I know Cam Reddish was number 10, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, they, they were a dominant team. And uh, again, I'm still surprised they lost last year to did they lose michigan state last year i want to say they did yeah yeah i think they they lost in the final four to michigan state last year which was a big upset and i know it wasn't final four it was elite eight i'm oh wow yeah so they lost earlier than everyone really expected they most people had them winning the whole thing um i don't think they're going to be as good michigan state again i also don't think they're going to be as good but i really like they have uh cassius winston who's a great player. Uh, he plays the game the right way. He feeds the ball out really well. Uh, he should go high in the draft, but I just don't think they're going to be, again, as good as they were last year. Both teams are going to be, you know. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting, especially when March Madness comes around. You never know, man. Yeah. Um, we're going to go quickly for just a little bit about NHL. Uh, the New Jersey Devils fired John Hines. Um, in his tenure, he went 150, 159, and 45. Um, overall, I mean, the Devils have – are an up-and-coming team. They have MVP, uh, an MVP candidate, Taylor Hall, on their team, as well as Nico Heischer, who's one of the young upcoming stars oh, yeah. for their team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you know them. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the Devils coach, he's had a tough tenure. The record speaks for itself. Uh, he's in the Eastern Conference, so he's playing a lot of really good teams. He's playing the uh, Red Wings and the Bruins and I Sabres. Maybe lot, the is the Las Vegas team in that division? They are in the Western Conference. Oh, okay, that would make sense. Yeah, but you know they play a lot of tough teams, so it's it's probably tough sledding for them. Uh, and so it, you know the record speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, and while you know what, let's transition over to the Western Conference here with the Dallas Stars. Started off the year pretty pretty um, cold, and then have really gotten back up on their feet and have established why they should be considered a top five team in the entire league now they're 16 11 and 3 i mean this season they've had just a lot of up and downs they have a great goalie of ben bishop a lot of defensive assets like mero haskinen and john klimberg and as well a really really good first line of alexander radulov jamie ben and tyler all those guys yeah uh i mean they sit at 16 and 11 i think they're in fourth place in the west uh 
it's it's kind of interesting. They have to play the Blues, who won the championship last year, the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think. Oh God. Oh, so it was interesting that they they just won yesterday in overtime to the Winnipeg uh, Jets. Yeah, three the, two. They beat the Jets, and uh, that was an important game because it stopped a four game skid. They had yeah. lost four games in a row, so maybe this is you know they're coming back up. When I say this is my, and I said this on the last time, first time we record, this is my favorite part of the podcast. And the reason being is because most of the time my guests don't really know much about hockey. Um, but they still, they still muster up and figure yeah, out well, how I, to get I it I came done. prepared. I came prepared. Yeah. I mean this, okay. I have not had a more prepared guest ever. Ooh. I will say this. No guest has brought notes. Yeah. So, hey, props to Matt, props over here to Matt for doing his research. Woo-hoo. I... Uh, so there are some people who like have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> so at least he did his research. And with that, we're going to actually take a very, very quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about NBA basketball and some of the big things that have happened this week. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. The Max Danielson Show is proud to announce Gage's Granite as an official sponsor for the Saturday podcast. Gage's Granite is a family-run company operating nearby in the Dallas Metroplex. They offer custom granite, travertine, onyx, and marble countertops to homeowners and businesses since 2000. Give them a call today at 972-243-6097 or visit gagesgranite.com or on Facebook and Twitter. You can also stop by the main showroom located at 2427 Glenda Lane in Dallas. Gage's Granite, a proud sponsor of the Max Danielson Show. Hey guys, this is Jason with Lacrosse Monkey. Are you looking for a place to shop for your next athletic season? Monkey Sports is here to help. Whether you're looking for baseball, hockey, or lacrosse gear, if you can dream it, we've got it. We provide both the latest and best on the market equipment for your athlete. Stop by and visit us at 105 West Bethany Drive, right off of US 75 in Allen. Monkey Sports, a proud sponsor of the Max Danielson Show. Alrighty, and welcome back to the Max Danielson Show. Uh, thankfully, we got that through that commercial break with yeah. no problems. This was the... Uh, and knock on wood, of course, because we never know what could happen at the end. Hopefully nothing bad happens. Knock on wood again. Uh, but last time, that's where our podcast really basically where S hit the fan. Yeah. Um, and it stunk because we were really at this last part. And we were so close. So we've had to do this. Now, thankfully, we cut a lot of time out of this, probably about 20 minutes out. Yeah. Which is an improvement, which means probably we'll have some more viewers watch longer. Um so I definitely appreciate, again, Matt, for coming back and re-recording Woo! all of this. It's fun. Really appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, let's get let's get right into NBA basketball. This is one of my favorite topics always to talk about. So Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo won Player of the Month. Both these guys have really, really been big in this league. Absolutely. Of course, Luka Doncic is playing out of his mind right now, averaging around 33 points a game. Yeah almost averaging a triple-double and has really brought the Mavs back into that playoff contention that Mm -hmm. we've seen from them in the long time past that they've been here in Dallas. The Mavs Mavs are a fun team to watch this year. Uh, Luka, when he got drafted, I really didn't know what to think about him because I never really got to see him play. But I just we all just heard that he was a great player, yeah. and it's turned out. I mean, he is now, fantastic. If you turn around in that closet over there, you see that jersey? Oh, I do see that jersey. What, what jersey? Who is that? Oh. Who is that man? Oh, it's Luka him. Doncic, there baby. There it is. Always got to rep the Wonder Boy. Oh man, <laughs> he is just so fun to watch. I don't know if you watched that. Saw that Laker highlight where yeah. he hit that like oh man, it was like a forty foot fadeaway against LeBron. And I was I watched that live because I just got back from uh, Christmas break yeah. or uh, Thanksgiving break. And I, once he shot, I'm like, no way. And I lost <laughs> my mind when he made that. I mean, Luka is just so – he's probably the best 20-year-old the NBA's ever seen. Yeah, him and or Giannis, LeBron. of course, you know the story of Giannis, man. This guy is a freak of nature. They call him the Greek freak for a reason. I mean, he's just such a good player. Eh, really? I, I Okay, whoa, he's good. He's very whoa, good. He's whoa, very good. Whoa. But I think, I think his game is fairly one-dimensional. I think – 
I, as in like he's a great defensive player. He's good at offense. I don't that's think not he can a shoot. He's guy. not a good. He's not a good shooter. That's what I mean. He's a one-dimensional offensive I mean, player. He's, he 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 has the score I mean, he's a pow- within he's a whatever. Six, what is he? He's a six-ten power forward. He plays the game like how a power forward once did, like a Carl Malone. Or, yeah. Or but, David. but I just I you know I would love to see him be able to work on his sh- shooting I mean, just the, a little bit the, to make him a little bit more. I mean, you know. I mean. There's not many people that could shoot it like the unicorn, basically. Chris yeah. Dasperzingis, another Dallas Maverick. Well, you know, I, my personal favorite, Kevin Durant, because uh, he played at Texas. Uh, uh, I don't think – I think he might be the oh, best player in the league, actually. Boy. He's, he's He's my favorite player, and he's got my vote for the best player in the league. Oh, no. I oh, yeah. I will Kevin Durant is a great player. Very Honestly, a lot of people – He's the best him. shooter in the game. I think. Stop that. Yeah. Stop Fris, that. Okay, he's the most deadly because he's so big, he's impossible to guard. What about Kristaps Porzingis? He's 7'3". So? So? He's definitely not on Kevin Durant's level. Well, no, I know that, but like, if you're talking about height-wise for deadly, I mean, Kristaps is 7'3", he can pop it from 3. Mm. Mm. Okay, honestly, best shooter <laughs> in the game... Steph Curry. Yeah, maybe, but he's or not play. playing. He's not playing. Or well, play. I guess Kevin Durant isn't either. So, yeah. yeah. It's a, I mean, yeah. Um, I'm a little biased. So, this one, this next topic here was a little bit controversial, especially the fact, well, I'll state this first. So, Harden uh, dropped 60 points in three quarters on the Atlanta Hawks by the score of 158-111. And everyone was like, oh, he's going to win, you know, mm-hmm. player of the week. Turns out, actually went to Carmelo Anthony, uh, who won Player of the Week, and you know I don't think I think Luca and um, uh, Harden James had Harden much played. better cases. Yes, but at the same time, Carmelo did play extremely well this yeah, week. Yeah, I think I think they gave it to him. It was more ceremonial than anything. I think, and I think he definitely I think he deserves everything that he has right now that yeah. he's doing. I think I still think he should have been in the NBA, and now he's showing why he still deserves yeah, it. Which, I, yeah, it is awesome, and I definitely think he found finally the fit that he needs in the NBA. Yeah, I when he played with the Thunder, I really didn't like him. I thought he came in a little uh, big-headed because yeah. he was talking about how me come off the bench, like why would I come off the bench? But now, like he was, and I read this yeah. today, he was before the Blazers called, he was about to retire. He was yeah. just about to walk away from the game, and when he got this other opportunity, he's like. I can't mess this one up. I gotta, play, you know, I gotta take whatever role I can. And of course, he's starting for them now. Yeah, which is what he wants. And especially now, he's got C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard on his team, and he realizes these guys I gotta give the ball to. And if I give them the ball, they're gonna give me the ball. In yeah, you know the you scratch. He's playing. Back, he's playing a little less selfish now. Exactly. I, I think what's interesting, really, about this whole thing is. Harden averaged forty-seven, and Luca ad- averaged thirty-nine and nine. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, no one really cares about NBA Player of the Week award until this happened, until it went to the player that everyone was like, what? Yeah. Why did it go to him? That's um, kind of funny. But again, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what Carmelo does for yeah. this year. Now, today, now we record these episodes a day prior to the release at 10 a.m. on Saturdays. So this is Friday night. So today, and I'm so glad that we that the whole thing happened because we wouldn't have gotten to talk about this. Yeah. And that is David Fisdale being fired from the New York Knicks after a 4-18 start. You might remember David Fisdale from his tenure with the Memphis Grizzlies, which Mm -hmm. ended terribly. And they ended up going after uh, Chandler Parsons, Mm. who was a complete waste of money for them. Um, Still a complete waste of money. Don't get me wrong. Love Chandler Parsons as a guy, but he's not worth what he is. He's just too big-headed for the NBA. Um, but right now they have Mike Miller as their intern. They named him today. But what we just heard is that there could pot- – actually, you know what? I'll let you tell it. Well, uh, apparently Meta World Peace thinks that he should be the next coach for the New York Knicks, which is, you know, it's very interesting. Now, if you remember Meta World Peace, you might know Meta World Peace by his other name, which is Ron Artest. Yeah. And the whole malice at the palace yeah. with the uh, Pistons. Um, it'd be interesting because I know Meta World Peace um, has done some time. I know he did time with the Lakers last year. Um, and really, I don't know. Maybe this is something the Knicks really yeah. need. I mean, how, how desperate are they? Because they Oh, they're pretty desperate. I mean, they're one of the most valuable now, franchises ever. Now, but the problem just... is two of their wins came against the Mavericks. But that's also because they really, really wanted to beat the Mavericks yeah. because of Chris Dapps. Um 
The last thing we're going to talk about, this also came in just, just right now, and that is the Cavs are open to trading Kevin Love. I mean, it wow. comes as no surprise, really, to me. Um, I really think they needed to trade him a couple years ago when yeah, LeBron and when he was Kyrie a little left. bit more val. He was a little bit more valuable then. Don't than get he me wrong; now. he still is very, very valuable, but I don't yeah. think he is as he used to be. Yeah, I mean, he, you've definitely seen some decline, uh, especially from when he first came to the Cavs. And it's. I, I hope this doesn't hurt him because it wouldn't really be fair. But all the the stuff that came out about his mental state yeah. and that was like hampering him. And I don't think teams would want to lose a valuable player like him because his his head wasn't right or something, yeah. which isn't really fair to him, but it's just kind of the, the fact. Um, well, I think this is going to wrap up this week's edition of the podcast. Woo! Thankfully, we have successfully so far, so far, made it through uh, this podcast. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much again oh, yeah. for coming back, re-recording this. I know this took out a little bit more time out of your day than planned. Um, of course, you've been a terrific guest. Definitely most prepared guest. I will Woo-hoo. give you that. I will give you that award. Uh, most prepared guest. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, of course, tradition. I have a little bit of, of course, as you can tell, I've had traditions on the show. Um, and the last thing is I ask my guests if they have any final remarks, anything they want to say. Um, and basically, we'll end it from there. Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't really know if I have too much to say. I'm excited, and uh, I'm ready for baseball to be back. I'm ready for spring training to come back. Uh, I miss baseball. Uh, And I'm kind of sad that college football is coming to an end. Uh, That's always depressing uh, because college football is probably my favorite thing to watch, uh, really. So I'm going to miss that a little bit. But I'm excited for Texas to maybe have a better go-around next season. Sounds good. Again, Thanks, Matt, for being on the show. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All righty, ladies and gentlemen. And that's going to end off today's episode. As I thank you for watching from myself, Max Danielson. And as always, have a pleasant good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening to you, wherever or whenever you may be watching. Thanks, y'all. And we'll see you next week.